going home. Great phrase, isn't it? Your goodness will lead me home. My thanks again to those who have looked after us today. Really appreciate all your kindnesses to us and thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your prayers. We're going to read the opening verses of Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, from the first to the ninth verse inclusive. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not lest this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, begins the next verse. And this great word of encouragement from the Lord, perhaps the, the greatest series of statements that were given to any individual in the whole of Scripture, uh, I trust will be an encouragement to us tonight as we just think about them very briefly. And the Lord will lead us on to think about them ongoingly for the rest of the week. You'll notice that twice, and I'm not going to delineate them, but you'll notice that twice uh, God says to Joshua, that he's fulfilling the word that he promised. And one of the things that comes across in the book of Joshua is that you're constantly faced with this fact that God will fulfill that which he promised. I don't want to labor that tonight. I mentioned it this morning. But I think it's something we need to keep very clearly in our minds. God always does what he promises to do. The only person who can and the only person who does if I promised you I would meet you tomorrow morning on the seafront at Painton so we could have a cup of coffee together, it might be my fondest desire, and it might be your fondest desire to do just that. But something might crop up, and it might make it impossible. Nothing crops up with God's promises. He always fulfills that which he promises, because he is who he is. Now you'll notice this whole question of responsibility that we've been thinking about today uh, continues here in verse 3. I will give you every place 
where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. Now this is is hugely demanding. You'll recognize that. They had a long way to walk. Uh, The interesting thing is that the Israelites didn't fulfill that which God required of them, but it did not annul his promise. And you notice he said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. In other words, God makes the promise, but I have a responsibility to walk that which he delineates. And you'll notice what the Lord says here. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. That's from the desert in the south to Lebanon in the north. And from the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea in the west. Now, they get part of it. If you actually look at the bits that are encompassed, what we're told in the book of Joshua, that the people encompassed in their marching, you will recognize there was a huge swathe of territory out to the east that they didn't walk on. They were commanded to, and the Lord promised to give them all that they walked on, but they didn't bother to go so far to the east to reach the Euphrates. And if you look at a map, you'll see that all through history, all of the problems that have arisen from the nation from the, for the Israelites, all of the problems came either from the north or from the east. So because they didn't walk far enough east, they left open a gateway of land which they never had any control over. And you'll remember that Nebuchadnezzar, for example, came across what is commonly called the Fertile Crescent. He came up the valley of the Euphrates, came across just north of the Golan Heights, and came into the land of Israel and conquered it. The Hittites did the same because they didn't take over all the land of the Hittites. So have a look at that if you've got a Bible map at home, and just see the the big swathe of territory that they didn't walk on and never made any claim to. So they didn't fulfill that which God had desired from them. And it seems to me that for you and I, we need to recognize that we have an ongoing responsibility an ongoing responsibility to do what the Lord tells us. And if we do that, you'll recognize in in your own life, as I do in my own life, that in the little steps that we take with the Lord, he always blesses. It's just what he does. Our God is a hugely generous God. And I confess to you that often I haven't obeyed him fully. Always had wee bits of reservation and say, well, I'll do so-and-so and so-and-so, but. Now, I'm sure you haven't got but in your vocabulary, but it's part of my Christian vocabulary. And it's this question of, of doing. Just take him at his word. It would have been lovely and great for these folk to walk into the valley of the Euphrates. Indeed, they would have walked almost down into what later became Babylon, but they didn't. So it is a hugely significant little phrase that's, that we have in verses 3 and 4 of Joshua chapter 1. I will give you every place where you set your foot, and he did. So this sort of progress in our responsibility before the Lord is essential for us to know his ongoing fulfillment and blessing. We have to continue to walk with him. But you'll recognize also that not not only does responsibility bring a promise with it, 
But you'll notice uh, bring a requirement with it, but it also brings a promise. And you have here in verse 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And then he calls upon Joshua to think about his experience. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. So verse 1 reminds us that Joshua was Moses' assistant. So he saw all that God had done in Moses' life. And you have this great statement, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never drop you, if I might paraphrase, or leave you in the lurch. I'll never slacken my grip. And this promise, you'll remember, is reiterated in the New Testament. It's applied to Christians, particularly in Hebrews chapter 12 and 13, where the Lord talks to us very openly about our responsibility before him. And he says, you'll know in the early verses of chapter 13, I will never leave you or forsake you. This taken from this uh, responsibility which is outlaid to, to Joshua. And then we're given an insight into where Joshua is at before the Lord and this great responsibility that he's been given. Uh, Moses has reiterated it to him in chapter 31 of Deuteronomy before the whole company of Israel. But here, this is, this is personal between the Lord of glory and his servant. I don't know if you've found in your life, but I have found at times, um, every now and again you come across a portion of Scripture or a verse or a phrase, and you read it and you think to yourself some thoughts about it. And maybe you think, oh, I'm sure nobody's ever thought like that before. That's just for me, that's from the Lord. And then if you read any commentaries in Scripture, if you're like me, you discover 500 people have thought about it before. But it's been personal to each of them. And that's really what I want you to draw from verses 6 through 9 tonight. That we will take this as personally to each of us with the particular uh, responsibilities that we'll have, God willing, tomorrow and ongoingly. Be strong and courageous, verse 6. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, be strong and courageous. Why do you think the Lord says that three times to Joshua within this very short time frame? Or he had a very short memory like some of the rest of us, you know. But it seems to me that it's because Joshua is struggling with the opposite. He's struggling with being weak and fearful. So the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Now, if I say that to you, it won't make a button of difference. But if you get up tomorrow morning and you have a consciousness of this word being in your life as from the Lord's, that will make a difference, won't it? This is not sort of preacher talk. This is God talk. And God says to Joshua, listen, I, I know you're frightened. And I know you feel weak. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. And then again in verse 9, be strong and courageous. But how does that actually get into real function in our lives? If we hear the voice of the Lord to us tonight, be strong and courageous, how does that actually become part of our ongoing experience? Well, you'll notice immediately it's followed in verse 6, 
by the phrase because. My dad used to use the phrase, why because? And I used to say, what do you mean by that? What do you mean why because? He said, because you need to think about the why because you, before you know the cause. Yeah? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. In other words, Joshua, recognize the truth of this. The reason you're in this position of leadership is because I have appointed you to lead these people so that my will might be fulfilled in their experience. That's what he's saying, isn't it? You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. And if they're going to know it as a reality in their lives, if they're going to know that they can have this fulfillment of the Lord's promise, they need to be led by someone who is trusting in the Lord to fulfill his promise. That's not too Irish. But, you know, you have to demonstrate the trust in the Lord in order to get these people into the land. There isn't any other way to do it. So Joshua is challenged by that, but he's saying, the Lord's saying to them, you will lead these people to fulfill my word. You will lead these people to know that I'm giving them a land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. All you have to do is lead them to take those steps. Lead them to take these little steps with me. And then he says again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful. And I never noticed this before uh, until my preparation for this particular evening. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. In other words, you will fulfill my purpose if you obey my word. You'll fulfill my purpose if you obey my word. The only way, and I say this absolutely clearly tonight, the only way I can really know the will of God is from the word of God. Otherwise, I'm very liable to be fanciful. You know, I heard a voice in the night speaking to me, or I saw some sort of vision at the end of my bed, and it was a bit vague, but this, this has got no vacuity in it. This, this is all about being absolutely clear. So the Lord says to him to be, be careful to obey all the law, because you'll not turn from it. I require you to fulfill my law. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So the basis of success, um, a little book by David Short, which is written in a pastoral form, and he just calls it the secret to true success. The secret to true success. And this is where it begins. You know, to obey and then you will be successful. Now, he doesn't mean that Joshua is going to earn millions or whatever. That's what he's talking about. But you'll be successful in fulfilling my will for you. If you're being careful to obey, you'll be successful in whatever you do because you're not going to turn from it or the le- or to the right or to the left. And then he adds another strand. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. 
Meditate. Now, that's a word you know, isn't it? Meditation became very popular during the 80s and 90s. But the meditation that folk were talking about included emptying your mind. If you read some, some of the literature of that period, you have to empty your mind. And you'd say to people, what are you meditating on? Well, I don't know, but my mind's open to whatever influence is out there. That is exactly the opposite of what the Lord saying to Joshua here. The word comes from a, an old Hebrew word, which is applied to cattle. And you know what cattle do? Well, some of you do as farmers. They chew the cud, and that's exactly what this word is. They eat and they fill the first part of their stomach, if I understand the mechanisms correctly. And then when they lie down, they bring the food back out of their stomach and they re-chew it and masticate it a bit more. And when they swallow it the second time, it goes down into another part of their stomach. Isn't creation wonderful? But that act of chewing the cud is the basis of this word meditate. And I was asking myself, you know, if during my preparation I really meditate upon the phrases in Scripture, I take something from it, I, I eat it, but then do I lie down and think about it and rethink about it and meditate on it and, you know, what's the Lord saying to me from this particular passage? And that's really how you and I are required to read the Word of God. It's not a sort of storybook, or it's not a report on a fast car. It's about sitting down and allowing the Lord, giving the Lord elbow room, so that he can speak into our lives from the Word that we've read and been thinking about. We need to think about it. That's why the Lord has given us our little brains. And then you notice he follows this. Meditate on it day and night. Now, we're pretty good at the daytime bit, perhaps. But what happens if you make it up, waking up in the middle of the night? You say, I'll go back to sleep. I'm going to make myself four cups of tea. And, you know, we try to, to fill the sleep bit. I told you I learned a lot from the props that I had in my early Christian life. If the Lord wakens you up in the middle of the night, does he want you to think about him? Does he want you to think about someone to pray for? Does he want you to regurgitate a phrase or something that you've read, read earlier from the Scripture? Does he want you to think about a particular phrase so it'll be a blessing to you? Because sometimes the only chance the Lord gets to, to get a bit of peace is to waken us in the middle of the night. You know, because we're always doing things, aren't we? Or planning things or thinking about what we're going to do next. Oh, I might have a bad night tonight. Because often I'm tested on my own ministry. And, you know, this is what it's about. So that you may be careful to do. Oh, we have it again. You may be careful to obey. That's verse 7. But here in verse 8, you may be careful to do everything written in it. What's the first and greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. If we did that, if we, if we loved him wholeheartedly, would that make a difference? If we really loved him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, wouldn't that alter perspectives? Wouldn't it alter commitment? 
And notice what follows. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And again, I emphasize, he's not talking about lands and riches here. He's talking about the fulfillment of his will. That's what this whole passage is about. You'll be prosperous and successful in walking with me in the fulfillment of my will for you. So there's no mystery in this. This is straightforward within that context. If I want to know the fullness of the direction of the Lord of my life, I need to spend time finding out what it is. So there's, there's a time input necessary here. If I was to absorb, truly absorb, like chewing the cud, a morsel from the Word of God each day, and I pondered it deeply, wouldn't that begin to show my character? Wouldn't Jill have an easier life with me than the one she presently of God is very, very straightforward. Let me remind you of the opening verses of Psalm chapter 1. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree, she is like a tree, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Same principle, isn't it? Psalm 1, Joshua 1. It's this act of meditation and commitment and response to the law of the Lord. So you'll be prosperous and successful in the doing of his will. And then he closes as the Lord speaks to him. I mean, it must have been a great experience for Joshua this, wasn't it? He's been given this vast responsibility. And the Lord is effectively saying to you, listen, it's no problem. All you have to do is walk with me and trust me. And then he says in verse 9, this great reminder, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? This is not an option. This is a command. The Lord wants us to meditate on his law day and night. That's a wish. The Lord commands us to the Lord commands us to meditate on his word day and night. And that's all the imperatives in the previous verses. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. And take this home with you, won't you? For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. The Lord, your God, will be with you. You have the assurance of his presence. And if I might paraphrase the, the background to the meaning of these, these um, verbs that the Lord says to him, do not quake and do not be in a state of consternation. Do not tremble. Do not be in a state of consternation. Rather, be aware of me. And you'll notice that this is the antidote. The Lord, your God, will be with you. And that just, you know, this is majestic. I mean, we've heard it so often. But so often it doesn't penetrate our, our lives and our spirits. Wherever you go, if you're obeying the law of the Lord, if you're responding to his direction, wherever you go, the Lord will be with you wherever you go. 
whether it's Austria or the mountains of Switzerland or down to the seafront, the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Now, this promise, you'll find a little bit later on in the book of Joshua, a story about a city called Ai. And I can remember, as I began my early preparation on these early chapters, reading the story of the city of Ai and the fact that the Israelites were uh, defeated in their first attack in that city, thinking to myself, that promise didn't last very long. And then I discovered when I reread and thought about the passage that Joshua wasn't there. They thought they could handle it on their own. And they didn't bother taking Joshua with them. And they were defeated. But whenever Joshua was there, the city was destroyed. This promise is absolute to Joshua's experience of the Lord. There is no defeat for Joshua in the whole of the book of Joshua. Right to his dying day. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And in the joy of that and the awareness of that, the next verse begins with the word so. And that's next Sunday morning, God willing. Because it's dependent. What happens from verse 10 onwards is dependent upon Joshua's experience of the word of God to him in verses 1 through 10. So. So, great story. And you might think to yourself, well, I'm no Joshua. So you're never afraid. You never lack courage. Well, then you're right, you're not a Joshua. But if you do feel a bit frail at times, and if you do think, well, I'm not sure if I can trust the Lord in this difficulty or this heartache, then we're just like Joshua. But the Lord remains the same. This great, glorious, all-sufficient, the one who intercedes for us every day, the one who intercedes for us moment by moment, he's in your heart, he's in your life, and he calls upon you and me this evening. Trust me. Walk with me. Obey me. And know the reality of my direction and fulfillment in your life. The Lord bless you. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea. That's our closing hymn. A great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. He's the same God. The God who lived in Joshua's time is just the same today. We'll stand to sing and then we'll close with a brief prayer.